This is the second time that I've preached the Christmas service, and every time I approach this, it's always so overwhelming to me because when you begin to dig into this and you just allow Jesus to reveal the magnitude of what he actually did, it's just overwhelming. You actually can't, uh, it, it's not just a story. And the moment that it becomes just a story, we become tame Christians. When it's just a story, then we just become Christians that go to the church service on a Tuesday morning because it's Christmas day and forget that actually he's real and that he actually did all this. You're not sitting here this morning just because this is a nice social club that you're a part of. You're here because Jesus changed your life or he's about to, one of the two. And um, so while I was preparing this, I just had such a fresh revelation of the fact that he came and I mean, it's, it's Christmas and, you know, I was kind of going, I should go through the whole uh, birth story and, you know, tell you about the shepherds and the wise men, whatever, but you know all this. I want to tell you why he came. That's why I want to tell you. I want to tell you why he came, because when you realize why he came, there is no cost too great. There is nothing too much to give back to him. Is that all right? So this might be a little bit of an un- unorthodox Christmas message, but it's going to... It'll it'll honestly rock your world if you let it. So if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 3. People are going, it's Christmas. Why is it going to Genesis chapter 3? The fall of man, what? I want to just highlight something to you. So just keep your finger there. So I want to start off and just make this so clear for all of us. The master plan of the Father, the master plan of God was not to get man to stop sinning. If you can change this little viewpoint and perspective in the way that you view the birth of Jesus, the master plan of God wasn't because he was so frustrated and disappointed with the fact that man had messed up, that he's got to send his son and stop them from sinning and do what they just can't do and you know, take their sins so that we can actually just get through this thing. It's not the master plan of God. Sin was the obstacle that he had to remove. It was part of the equation, but there was something way bigger in all of this. There was something so much more about why Jesus actually had to come. And it starts right in the beginning. You see, the master plan of God has always been intimacy with man. See, God creates man and he puts them in a garden. He creates this garden, which is supposed to be this environment where man can walk with God where man can talk to him and have a relationship with him and actually every day learn more about his nature and his character and his love and who he is and the fact that he's a father and that he actually wants to father you. And so this garden's created and, and, and man is walking with God and something happens in chapter three of Genesis and this is where I wanna launch off today. And I just wanna read, uh, most of you know kind of the background here, but I'll read from verse four. This is when they're about to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, verse four, it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die, verse five, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. Then you can jump down. Obviously, she she decides that it's pretty tasty. And uh, verse seven, then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is their awareness increased and they knew that they were naked and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of the day. 
So the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I was reading this yesterday and I, what gripped me was I was going, God builds this garden, he makes this perfect environment for them to walk with God, to have intimacy and relationship with God. It was never about their nakedness. It was never about them. It was always about that God desired and longed to have relationship with them. That is who he is. That's gotta be so clear this morning that God is not this angry God that's frustrated and disappointed with people and and deciding whether he should uh, love you or, or bless you or he's not like that. His intention has always been intimacy. His intention has always been relationship. And what blows me away is they eat of this fruit and it had nothing to do with the fruit, it had to do with disobedience, it had to do with the fact that they chose self-exaltation over knowing God. And suddenly when they go into this place of self, they're aware of their nakedness. They're aware of themselves more than they are of God. And suddenly they're ashamed and they use the very thing that God created for intimacy to hide from him. They hid in the trees that he made for them to feast on while walking with God. And listen to what God says here. Remember, this is God. Verse nine, he says, but the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now he's God, man, he knows, he can see. He's asking a different question here. Adam is hiding himself from intimacy with God in the very thing that God created for intimacy. And God comes and says, Adam, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. What we've just seen here is that God creates man and woman perfect. They're not ashamed, they're not embarrassed, they're naked because they're fully dependent on him. They have a complete trust, a complete reliance. They know that he's gonna provide. They know that their very reason for existence is to walk with God in the garden. And suddenly their eyes are opened through disobedience to the awareness of self over knowing God. And now they are hiding in the garden rather than walking in the garden with God. I was sitting on this yesterday and just going, Jesus, you came because you valued intimacy with me so much that you were prepared to make yourself nothing so that I could become everything to you. That when I turned away and made, I looked at myself more than I looked at you, when I hid myself from the very thing I was created for, you chose to come to change the game, to change everything because you saw me as valuable and worth it. If you, if you can, just turn to John chapter one. I'm building towards something, I promise. I'm just trying to get through it without crying. See, some of you may be here today and you might have lived these perfect lives. None of you have. But for me, this is so real because if he didn't come, I'm done. I know who I am without him and it's horrible. 
but in him, man, what a joy to live. What a joy to know him. You see, some of you here this morning need to know this, that God's actually pursuing you because he wants to know you intimately. He wants to actually speak to you in a way that you can actually hear his voice inside of you. He wants to develop such a level of oneness and relationship and intimacy where he goes beyond all the things that you thought he was like and actually reveals his true nature, where he shatters the boxes that you've put him in based on what you think God is. See, some of us have created a God in our own image. We think that he actually relates to us the way that we relate to each other. And so we blame him for things that he didn't do. From the very beginning, all that he wants is intimacy with you. All that he's wanted from the very beginning is for you to choose him because he's always choosing you. And when that begins to happen, you find freedom in a place of intimacy because only intimacy can sustain freedom. Only intimacy can sustain peace and sustain joy. You can experience joy and peace and freedom for a moment, but you'll never stay in that unless you have relationship with God. That's why we live these lives like up and down, up and down, highs and lows, highs and lows, because you're just searching for that next rush, that next moment that you feel joy because you're aware that it's probably gonna not be there tomorrow. The only reason why we have that is because we don't know what it means to actually have relationship with the Lord. So Jesus came to fix the whole thing. In John chapter one from verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and lived among us and we saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten son of the father. The son who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. Jump down to verse 16. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus valued intimacy with you so much that he was prepared to come to, into the very thing that he created not only just come and arrive, but make himself the lowest of the low in the very place that he created to live a life that you couldn't live so that you could live in the life that he could live. He came and, and was born in a stable, in a manger. You know, I, I actually kind of, I, I'm upset with the fact that we've so um, made this story like a movie, like a Hollywood thing, when the reality is, it sucked, man. He was born in a manger in the dirt. There was no room for him. It's horrific. It should, it should grieve us that that's my king. But he's born there because he comes as the lowest of the low and he lives a life that we were called to live that we couldn't live and he models something as a prototype so that we could walk in that because there's a, there's a, a desire more than anything else in God's heart to walk with you in the garden. And I, as I was going through all of this, I realized, I was like, God, you know, now that you've redeemed us, like, what does this look like? And he said, Connor, in Genesis, they were walking in the garden externally with God. He says, now, because of the Holy Spirit, I've made you the garden. I've made you the garden. I wanna live inside you. I wanna tend to your soul. 
I wanna create an Eden environment inside of you where intimacy is all you know. See, in, in reading this and just going through it and, and going, God, you came, like Jesus, you came. I, I realized that it doesn't matter about the stuff. It doesn't matter about, about the promises. And you know, Adam and, and Eve, the reason why they got caught up was God called them to rule and reign. And they got so focused on ruling and reigning that they actually re they took their eyes off of God and put it on themselves. See, we get so caught up. This is feeding. This is feeding quite a bit. Eh? Um, they got so caught up in, in the promise of what God was giving them that they missed their reason for existence. The reason for existence was to know him. And I, what I'm wrestling with in my heart right now is going, God, I don't know how to adequately communicate this to people that you love and long for. See, God really wasn't intimidated by your sin. He really wasn't. Sin was what was in the way, it wasn't the point. And we've made God this God that is like, the picture that we've painted of him is that his nature and his character is based on how we perform when actually the way it was designed was that we live according to his nature and his character. He doesn't change because of my behavior. My behavior changes because of his character and nature. And so every single one of you this morning need to get over whatever you need to get over. Because there's a God that loves you. He is desperate for you and he came. He came regardless of what I was gonna do. He came regardless of the mistakes that I was gonna make. He came because he loved me because he saw something inside of me that he put there right from the beginning. And he, he went, you know, you might look at all the outside stuff, but I look at the gold that I put inside of you because I've always been about family and I've always been about relationship and I've always been about knowing you and you're my favorite. You go, God, how can you have so many favorites? That's the way he designed this thing. God wants to have an intimate one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. Damien and I were talking about this and he mentioned it on Sunday, but we were talking about being one-on-one -on -one with God. And I was like, hold on a second. If he's made himself one with me, then I'm one-on-one -on -one with God 24 seven, 365. And what will change my life is an awareness of the fact that he lives inside of me. And if he doesn't live inside of you today and you, you'll know if he's not, this is an opportunity for that. It, it, it must blow your mind that he's that good. Because too many of us are swayed by experiences and situations and we think that God is this God chasing us with a rod that is not even just allowing, but sometimes we feel like he's actually putting bad things on us to discipline us or to, to fix something or to punish us. God is not like that. See, right in the beginning, God gave man a choice. He said, you can choose me or you can choose the tree. You can choose the knowledge of good and evil. You can choose self. He gave them a choice. And some of us go, well, why? If he knew we were gonna make a mistake, why did he give us the choice? You cannot have true love. You cannot experience true love if you don't get to choose it. A 
And God, who could have made these Jesus robots that did everything perfectly, chose to make a man in such a way that he had a choice, that he got to actually choose the Father because it's only in that place that God and man could experience true union and communion and family and relationship. And so man gets the choice, we make the wrong choice and God doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. He takes man on a journey where he begins to reveal to man their need for a savior. And you read through the Old Testament and time after time after time, man chooses self, man chooses self and God chooses mercy and God chooses mercy. And he lavishes his love over and over and over again and he's revealing to man, you need me. You wanna do it on your own, you have the choice. Try to do it on your own, you need me. Some of you here today are doing it on your own and God's saying you need me. Because you can play the game and pretend like you got it all together, but you don't. When you feel that emptiness and that brokenness, when you feel unfulfilled and unsatisfied, there's a space inside of you that only Jesus can fill that was made for him. And I'm standing here today because that's what he did for me. I grew up in church. I grew up listening to these stories, but they were stories. They were stories that I was passionate about, but they weren't real to me. They only became real when I met Jesus, the person. When I looked at a man who looked at me and said, everything that you've ever done has been removed. Not covered, removed. Everything that you ever do in the future that could ever possibly try and come between us, I've dealt with. I'm in love with you, Connor, I'm pursuing you and I will never stop pursuing you because I came. And I came because I valued your life and I valued the intimacy and the relationship that you were created for more than anything else. He didn't have to come, but he wanted to. And today I feel like there's some people that have been so aware of their own self life and self-preservation, self-exaltation, comfort, luxury, whatever it is that you are stuck in. And now that you're so aware of it, you're hiding yourself in the trees. You hear the Lord come pursue you and you're hiding yourself in the trees. What you don't realize is that, that those very trees were created to walk amongst with the Lord. God wants to know you today. He wants you to know him in fullness. It's in his fullness and from his fullness that we are fulfilled. See, there's something about having a relationship with God that makes everything else meaningless. It's just him. There's something about God stripping us back to a naked trust and dependence on him again that brings us into a place of true peace and fulfillment and satisfaction. Think about this man, Adam and Eve are walking around with nothing but have everything. They are walking around naked. They don't have any possessions, but they have everything. <laughs> and God's saying, if you would learn to have a naked trust and a dependence on me, if you would learn to strip it all away, and just trust me as your God and realize that you were actually created to know me, that I love you, that I've forgiven you, 
and that I'm a good God. And that your situations, your circumstances, the things that you've been through in your experiences don't change the character and the nature of who he is. It's the goodness of God that turns those things for good for those that love him. Because he's a father. Quickly, to end off, let's just go to John chapter 17. How am I doing? Everyone okay? Sorry, I'm getting real mushy. My granny is cheering me on there. It's the best thing having a grand that's in love with Jesus because you preach and you just see the in the background. <laughs> John chapter 17, I'm not gonna read the whole thing I wanted to, but please go and read it and read it with this in mind, that Jesus is praying this last public prayer to his father before he gives his life and finishes the work that he came to do to make you free. He's praying this public prayer to the father and he uses these words that suddenly, it's like God took me back to Genesis three when he's with Adam and I'm going, oh my word, Jesus was there. And now he's standing here about to save everyone and he uses these words that actually reveal and explain who God is right here. And it's in verse um, 21, I think. Yeah, 21. So Jesus has said this amazing long prayer, please go and read it, it's wild. And then he says this, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. He's about to give his life for us, to redeem us into oneness with God. And he's not saying, Lord, here I go to save the sins of all these people and to deal with all their rubbish and all their mistakes and you know, here we go, this is what I have to do. This is not the language of Jesus. The language of Jesus is, Lord, would you make them one as we are one? Would they be one in us? Would they share in the intimacy that they were designed for and created for right in the beginning? God, I'm about to take the garden that you created in the beginning and put it inside every single lover of God. Everyone that would choose to believe in me, I'm gonna build and cultivate this Eden environment in their souls where I'm gonna live and dwell and be forever. And now you're not only walking externally with don't allow religion to to keep us from actually seeing what he's really doing. Because religion will hurt you. Religion will lie to you. And religion will disappoint you. But Jesus never will. And my life has seen both sides of that and it had nothing to do with my family or my church, it had to do with me. For majority of my life, it was religion until eventually you meet the person of Jesus and you realize, oh my word, the stories weren't just stories. Inside of these stories is a man that's crying out for you to know him. So much so that he's about to go and die one of the most brutal deaths in history. The most brutal death in history. And it's historically proven there's more evidence of it than there is of Julius Caesar and all these other guys, it's there. You can't deny it, it hits you in the face every day that he did it. And right before he's about to do that, he's saying, Father, would you make them one as we are one? So this Christmas, you can enjoy the festive season and you can walk around saying Merry Christmas and it's all great, but the reality is what Jesus wants you to know today is he came. He came, 
He didn't have to, he wants to. And what I love is that he's never stopped coming. He came, he saved me, and now in my journey with him, he is constantly pursuing me. And all he's asking from me is to give him my attention because when you realize what you were created for, suddenly giving God your attention is more important than knowing what to do next. He's so good, man, he's so good. I was gonna go the evangelist route and get all loud and fiery and, but the reality is it's just the tenderness of God this morning. He just wants you to know, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. And there is nothing that can change that. I've never done anything to harm you. I've never done anything to hurt you. I've never done anything to disappoint you. I've never failed you. I love you. I feel like I can hear the things coming back at me, but Connor, you've never been through what I've been through or what I've seen. I just wanna say the same thing back to you. I know what I've been through. I know what I have endured as a person and, I, and you've got your own one and that's awesome. He never failed me. I used to think that he did, but he never did. He's the reason I'm standing here. He's the reason that I'm in, in love with him, that I have a community of people that are in love with Jesus, that I have the most incredible fiance that loves Jesus. He's the reason. And if I spend the rest of my life just loving on him and receiving love from him and I never know what the next step is, I'm okay, because he came. Can you stand? Yeah. I'm an intense dude, and so sometimes it can come across a little intense, but I'm actually really happy about this. <laughs> I really love Jesus, and if you had seen me this morning at 20 past four, I was spinning in circles in the lounge, just going nuts, loving on him. Yeah, he's amazing. I feel like there's some people here today in the past, and you've, for so long, you've been so distant from him. I feel like there's an environment this morning for you to encounter him the way that he wants you to encounter him. Not in your mindsets and boxes that you've put him in, but as a real God, as a real father, as a dad that's pursuing you. Don't go another day without giving God a chance. That's all he needs, man. Just a moment where you open your heart and actually just say, God, Go for it. And the love of God will so flood you. The peace of God, the joy of God, the freedom will flood your life, your mind, your emotions, and suddenly you'll begin to feel redemption make its home inside of you. And the old things pass away and he begins to reveal new things to you and the old uh, ways of thinking and the pain and the hurt and the brokenness, he heals in a moment. Because love takes possession of who you are. If you're here today and if you're here today and like me, you just want to know him 
regardless on whether this is the first time you're meeting him or whether you've been away from, from him for a while or whether you just want a fresh meeting with God. I just want us to respond. It's, it's, maybe if you're comfortable, you can just come out of your seats, either in the front or on the side. You don't have to for those who want to, but I, I believe in responses. And if there's people here that want to just, if you want to meet him for who he is, then will you just come out of your seats?